To be with God's people, please turn in your copies of the scripture to 1 Corinthians 11. We have some familiarity with this passage. Um, We have been preaching from this passage over the last few months, looking at the first part, and I wish to look at about verse 17 uh, towards to, to the end. First Corinthians 11, verse 17. Uh, I'll be reading in a, in a translation that's just a little different than what many of you perhaps use. And again, don't get caught up in that. Think about what yours is saying as we read together. Verse 17. Now, in giving this instruction, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. Indeed, it is necessary that there be factions among you, so that those who are approved may be recognized among you. When you come together, then, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For at the meal, each one eats his own supper. So one person is hungry, while another person gets drunk. Don't you have homes in which to eat and drink? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I do not praise you in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, (coughs) This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. Whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many are sick and ill among you, and many have fallen asleep. If you were properly judging yourself, you would not be judged. But when we, were, when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home so that when you gather together, you will not come under judgment. I will give instruction about the other matters whenever I come. Uh, Sometimes I hesitate to read this passage because it feels a little bit like Paul is being a little tough on them. Uh, he's not afraid to say what he thinks. Now, this comes right after the instructions about head coverings that we covered uh, a few weeks ago, a, few, a month and a half ago or so, when we talked about that. And remember the premise, or remember the context in which uh, the people at, first, at Corinth worshipped. So that you have this wide and diverse group of people. You have Jews and Gentiles. You have poor and rich. Those are the two biggest dividing lines. But if you think about uh, the makeup of the early church, from Acts on, uh, 
Acts 2 and 3 on, the, the church is made up of a group of people who are really diverse. They come from many different regions of the world. And since Corinth is a shipping city, it is a city, it's on an isthmus of land uh, that, that is between the Aegean Sea and the Mediterranean. It's only three miles wide. And they, they didn't build a canal there. What they did was simply transport ships. Uh, they had this track. And they would put the smaller ships on wheels, bring them up out of the water, put them on wheels, and wheel them across and drop them into the water on the other side. Or if, if it was too large a ship to do that, they would simply transport the goods from one ship and put them in another ship on the other side. That was much quicker than sailing around the horn uh, of, of Italy or, or of uh, the Corinthian Peninsula. But so, so this is a seafaring city, so it brings a wide and diverse group of people, and the church is made up of a wide and diverse group of people. Now, if you read just the passage that I read this morning, it is clear that there are people who were poor. Some of them had plenty to eat, and others had barely enough to eat. Some of them were hungry some of the time. And the implication is that just in the same way that I'm calling for unity when you gather to worship with the men being unveiled and the women being veiled, I'm asking for that same level of unity when it comes to how we eat and drink. That's what Paul is saying. You, you guys should be, you who are wealthy should be taking care of the poor. But eat at home. That's a problem you need to take care of outside of the Eucharist or the Lord's Supper. Now, they would have called it Eucharist from the beginning. And Eucharist simply means thanksgiving. Uh, we don't call it that very often. The, the bread and the wine are, are often, or the bread and the cup are often called Eucharist, which uh, means thanksgiving. So the, the meal of Thanksgiving. And, and when, I, when I was reading this and, and reflecting on this passage, it struck me that, that Jesus wants, wants us to lay down our differences when we walk in the doors of our... Well, even before that. When, when we connect as brothers and sisters into a body of believers, like we are at Providence, Jesus wants us to look past how we're different and look at where we're the same. And where we are the same is that all of us are called to do something about today. And that is to remember how Jesus came and died for us. So I, I would like to look at three things the communion service calls us to. First of all, it calls us to remember. Remember who we are. Who are we? Well, I'm not Yoder ultimately. I'm a follower of Jesus. Because, see, there is another Lord's Supper in the Bible. Actually, there, there is an earlier Lord's Supper, the Passover. And then Jesus institutes this. And then there is a future Lord's Supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will commune in the presence of, of blood, Jesus' blood and body, personally will commune there. And, and all three of those are called to unite us rather than divide us. Communion is not about trying to figure out how bad our brothers and sisters have been and then not let them partake in communion. This is a call to look at our own lives and remember the way that Jesus loved us. Remember how much Jesus loved us. It comes down to that. Each one of us. You know, the kids sing the song, uh, oh, red, brown, yellow, black, and white. 
Probably not politically correct anymore, but anyway. Uh, Jesus loves the little children of the world. Jesus loves the big children of the world, too. And, and we should begin, and again, I'm going to harp on this, because in today's world, it's necessary. There, there's a lot of polarization in today's world. The devil has an intentions to divide people. And the people of God are called to unite people, the people, particularly the people of God together. And so Paul is saying, when you come together, um, you know what? The problem is that when you're coming together, some of the people are looking at this as the meal, and some of you have already had all the, the bread and wine you can take, and you come and you, you take that one sip more, and you get drunk. So it's kind of saying, you know, there are some of you who have had plenty, and some of you don't have enough. And, and he said, lay those differences aside. Doesn't mean that the rich aren't called to feed the poor. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that actually he's assuming that they already have taken care of this. So whatever the differences are that would normally divide us in today's world, Jesus, the the Eucharist, the Thanksgiving celebration, the memorial act of Jesus in saying, this is my body and this is my blood, is called to unite us. It's called to bring us together. So we're called to remember. Remember our need of Jesus' body and blood. And then it it also calls us to identify. So when we are doing this today, we're identifying as Providence, as PCF, the local group of believers who gathers at Providence. You know, when you're doing this, that's part of what you're doing, is you're saying, I am a part of these people, body and soul, body and blood, sweat, blood, and tears. I'm a part of these people. But here is the beautiful thing. It also calls us to identify with 2,000 years of church history. And the same people who have for 2,000 years done this act of remembrance and celebration and thanksgiving. Think of how it would have been to be in that room when Brother Paul walks in the back door and the people at Corinth don't know he's coming, then they hear he might be coming, and that service he comes in, and they gather together around the Lord's table and they celebrate the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? Like, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there when Justin Martyr writes about 200 years later. He says, when we gather together, this is what he says, when we gather together... We do this. I, I just got new glass. I'm sorry. And this food is called among us the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving, of which no one is allowed to partake but the man who believes that the things which we teach are true and who has been washed with the washing that is for the remission of sins unto regeneration and who is living as Christ has enjoined. For not as common bread and common drink we receive these, but in like manner as Jesus Christ our Savior, having been made flesh by the word of God, had both flesh and blood for our salvation. Think about what it would have been like to have Justin Martyr lead the service. He is an apostle, a disciple of Polycarp, who is a disciple of the apostle John. That direct link. He would have heard it from Grandpa John how to do these. Think of what it would have been like that night in 1525 when Felix Mons and Conrad Grebel and George Blaurock and Margaret Hottinger and 18 other people in this room 
first of all baptized each other and then they simply went and got bread and wine out of the cupboard and brought it out and celebrated for the very first time as a distinct group of people the celebration of the Lord's death. A few weeks later, some of them would die. Think of what it would have been like. But when we do that, when we partake this morning, we're identifying with those same group of people. We're saying, we belong to this body of Jesus who has done this for 2,000 years, and we choose to identify as Jesus followers. And it's not just about PCF, although it is about that. It's much bigger than that. And, and any time you remember, any time you identify, that is both uh, backward-looking, but it's also forward-looking to something into the future. And we are saying that someday when all of God's children, red, brown, yellow, black, and white, Amish, Mennonite, Catholics, and Methodists, and some who didn't go to church at all, and some of the most unlikely converts in the world are going to gather together in the presence of flesh who died for us and the blood who was given for us in Jesus. And we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb. So we're saying this morning when we participate, we are remembering what Jesus did for us, but we're also identifying with this group of believers that have been in existence since the time of Jesus and will be and will someday ultimately conquer this world and the devil and everything bad in it. And the third thing, so we remember, we identify, and the third thing we're doing this morning when we partake in this is admit that we cannot live life on our own, that we need help. So when you come up and take this bread and you take the cup, you're saying, I need help to live life. I can't do it on my own. I can do a lot of things on my own, but I need help. And you know, I don't like that. The first two are much easier. The last one's a little more difficult. Because when I admit I need help, I admit I can't do it on my own. So, when we remember, identify, and admit, what we're saying is Jesus died for us. Jesus is our king. Jesus will lead the way. Jesus led the way. So when we partake today, we're saying, Jesus, we believe in you for deliverance from the world of sin around us. And Jesus, we choose to identify with Wayne and with Andrew and with Emily and with Merlin. I choose to identify with these people for this season of my life. But I also choose to identify with the Apostle Paul, Polycarp, Pope Leo VI, was a very godly pre, uh, pope. I choose to identify with this group of people called Christians throughout history. The sordid, the messiness of that. And then I choose to admit 
that we could not have done any of this without your help, Jesus, and I cannot do life without your help. Let's stand together to pray. So, Lord, as we this morning partake in communion together, as we remember, identify, and admit, I pray that you would bless our time and bless your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.